Welcome to Mental Millennials with your host, Shelby Friesen. Today, today I'm here with Cam Underhill and Cam, we had met on Craigslist actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, forgot. I know way back. Um, yeah. It's kind of funny how that works. I've met a lot of really good friends on Craigslist and we... <laughs> Yeah, we met at the coffee shop and I was looking for someone to edit the podcast and help be a part of this um, operation. And yeah, it kind of just went from there. We became friends, did a half Ironman together, a bunch of other cool shit. And now we're going to do an episode that kind of shares about Cam's life, something that we hadn't talked about really when we first started hanging out or even getting into the podcast. But now I've learned there's a lot to learn. <laughs> so um, yeah, we'll start... We'd kind of briefly chatted before, but we want to start with um, your first kind of scenario around mental health um, mm-hmm. and a suicide you had been a part of uh, at one of your first jobs. So, Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, we never really talked about mental health with us too much. Like I knew about your story because of the website and what you've told me and I don't know. We talk a lot about other people's stories, just yeah. podcasts. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I guess mine never really came up, but, um, yeah, just to start, um, I used to work at a deep cove canoe and kayak center in deep cove. I don't know if you know where that is or if anyone oh, yeah. knows where it is, but, um, there's a big, lot of dates there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a big tourism spot, um, on the North shore. And I think I was, 18 or 19 at the time. I know it was right around, I was just after I graduated high school and I was working there mid, sort of mid off season. We have some people go out. Um, Usually it's people that go out that are trained in self rescues and have all the proper equipment. What would, what would like mid off season be? Is it like fall? So like full season, like basically like prime season is um, like May to October. Okay. So so like they'd be going out like now. Yeah, basically, um, yeah, they do some winter tours, but I think this was like kind of end of October. Like we usually, we, we shut down on Halloween. Okay. Okay. And then we do winter tours, but you usually have to be like fully certified to kayak on your own or you're with a guide. Just cause it's like rough. Just cause it's rough and it's cold. Also like at this time of the year, like you got like half an hour, maybe like five, 10 minutes to like survive in like the water. Right. Cause it's so cold. Yeah. Like you'll, hypothermia will hit you and you'll just, Mm -hmm. you'll be done. Um, but anyways, this, this lady came by one day, um, and it was actually a pretty sunny day. It was pretty warm in October. Um, and she wanted to go kayaking by herself, uh, and to go kayaking by yourself, you need to be able to do a solo rescue or perform it in front of us. Um, just if you tip your kayak, we want to know you can get back in it and, you know, save yourself. Yeah. Um, she didn't know how to do it. Uh, she tried doing it. She couldn't. Um, and so we sent her away and we, I don't know, just thought that was, yeah. we, we didn't send her out. We just, we, she just left. Yeah. Like, like you said, she can't go out. Yeah. She can't yeah. go out basically. Um, she came back the next day and I guess she like went on YouTube and learned how to do it herself. Cause it, like, it's honestly pretty easy. Like, yeah, it's you, not that bad. No. If you YouTubed it, like you just have this little paddle float, you shove it on you know, your paddle, we supply it and like literally just back of the kayak and it just acts as like a kind of outrigger to keep you balanced. Mm -hmm. Um, So she did it. She was fine. Like put the wetsuit on and, you know, demonstrated it for us. And we're like, okay, I guess you can go kayaking. (laughs) (laughs) Like you've done it. Um, 
And so it was me and my manager at the time, Bram, uh, were the only two working at the shop. Um, and so I was the beach crew. So I was like giving her the safety talk, getting her set up with her equipment. She was super nice, super happy. Um, I really didn't expect anything at that time. Um, and she was, we sent her out for, she had like a day rate. So she could go for anywhere between like, you know, she'd go for one hour, she'd go for four. She has the boat for four hours. Basically. Oh, okay. So yeah. Uh, so she was back. She was, I don't know. It was like 20 minutes after her rental. And usually at that point we don't start worrying, but like we can usually see someone coming in from the cove. Like, I don't know if you've been to the like cove. after 20 minutes, you can see them coming back. Well, usually if someone's late, um, mm-hmm. usually most of the time they're back early, but if they're back late, you can kind of like look through the binoculars and like, see like, okay, I see that. Boat so it had been in. four hours already. It'd been four hours. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you meant like 20 minutes in. No, no, no. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, what? Been, she'd been paddling for four hours and it was like 20 minutes after her rental. Okay. Right. Expired. Right. And we didn't see her coming in at all. So we wait another like 10 minutes and then I go out in the safety boat. Uh, it's like a little motorized boat that we have and we just go and pick people up if they're stranded or something. Like, I don't know. It wasn't a very windy day. Maybe we just thought some people get lost out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, and so I was on the boat. I was going out there. It was like any other rescue I've done. Um, checking all the usual spots. Like she told us where she was going. It was a place called Bedwell Bay. Um so basically it's right out from across the cove. There's like a little island called Jug Island and then it's around the corner. Um, I was rounding that corner and I could see the boat on the beach and I got a call from Bram um, and he was telling me to come back and he sounded kind of like, like, I don't know, worried and rushed and like, just like not mm-hmm. right. And I was super confused. Like, I don't know. I thought my phone was cutting out because it's like kind of windy out there and like you're on the ocean. So mm-hmm. um, I didn't really think anything of it. So I saw the boat anyways. So I went and continued to go to the boat, um, got like parked the boat, like ran it up on the beach, walked over to the boat, saw that there was a note on the boat. Um, and I only read it very briefly. And like, honestly, I can't even really remember. I don't know if I'm just like suppressing it or not, but like can't remember what was on it, but it was clear that it was, at the time, it wasn't clear that it was a suicide note, and I was super, I was, I was still confused. I didn't really know what was going on, mm-hmm. but at that moment, I saw um, the Harbor Patrol and Coast Guard um, driving over towards me, and so I got on my boat. Um, I could hear them on the radio. They were telling me the same thing, just like go back to the cove, like don't worry about it. Like we got this handled. Blah blah blah. Can't remember their exact wording. So I went back, still confused. Um, and Bram, Bram was waiting for me at the beach when I got back and he was telling me that, um, he thinks that the, this woman might've committed suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, and so basically what had happened is the coast guard went out there. They found her body floating, um, in the water and, um, what she had done is she had a bunch of weights with her in her backpack. And so she had a back, a red backpack that was with her before she went out and um i I, like i put it in the kayak for her and everything like that i didn't really think of it at the time but it was pretty heavy (laughs) and what she did is um tied the weights to her walked out into the water and just drowned herself oh and they found so she didn't so she actually parked on the beach you think and then walked out instead of just like going overboard yeah oh my god yeah so it was planned um well i guess you had to leave the note there yeah yeah and um, so, 
basically they brought the body back and they brought the boat back. And what the moment was that was kind of scarring for both of us is we, obviously the whole situation was like pretty traumatic, but we had to go collect the boat from the the police now, right? Like it was out on the government dock. If you've ever been to the cove, you can see that big Mm -hmm. long government dock on the left-hand side um, of the cove. And we were walking out there. We thought the body was gone, but it was not. Mm. And uh, we walked over there and we could see this woman just like lying there on the boat. Like, sorry, just right on the dock. Yeah. It's like full, full body, just like lying there dead. And, um, didn't really know what to do. Like the, the police didn't even notice that it was us coming down. And then like eventually they saw us and they're like, can you please go back to the shop? And like at that point, like, I don't know, I think Bram went and was like throwing up. I was still kind of confused. I didn't really know how to like deal with the situation. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing my friend Suzanne um, up behind the shop and she was just like, what's going on? And I explained it to her. And she's like, what well, do you want to ride home? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I still didn't really feel like sad or feel like, you know, upset at the whole situation. I was just like super Mm -hmm. confused. And I think it was that night or maybe the night after, like I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my parents, didn't tell my siblings, um, didn't tell my girlfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just like, I I don't know. I don't really want to talk about it. Yeah. And I think it was that night I went to a party and just got drunk and I was talking to this guy, Jimmy. And for some reason, I don't know why, but like told him everything. Mm-hmm. And just like immediately started to break down and he was super confused and then went back to my parents' house um, where I was living at the time and like started to break down, told them um, and then ended up talking to the other manager the next day. And they're like, do you want a therapy? Like, do you want to like time off? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't need any of that. Um, and just like, and for that brief moment, I kind of like opened up a bit and talked about it to that Jimmy guy. But other than that, I just sort of held it in. Mm-hmm. Um And then moving forward from that, like every situation that kind of gave me like any sort of like anxiety or stress or anything like that, I always just, I didn't accept it. I just kind of, you know, suppressed it, didn't think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, it's a very like, I mean, it's super heavy. Yeah. um, And I know it's weird too, like when you don't know the person and stuff too, it's kind of like, I don't know it's obviously super sad but also like <clears throat> a lot more confusing too because how like you just really don't know anything yeah and i remember uh, like the next day i went right back to work and actually someone from the family came by um from the person the woman that committed suicide and they're saying um from the looks of like it, it was planned like this was not like an, a, an act in any way that <clears throat> was meant to harm other people. She, she was ready to go. She had fully planned it out. Um, and like, I don't know why they're telling me this. I was like 19 years old. I was yeah. like, should probably be talking to like the police or <laughs> my yeah. manager or something. Um, and also that like, didn't really change anything for me, um, going forward. And yeah, just like for the next, like, I want to say like five to like maybe like seven years of my life up until like my accident or whatever. Um, I just suppressed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had a, had a pretty like bad relationship, not bad relationship. It was good and bad, but I was pretty toxic in it. Um, mm-hmm. with my girlfriend at the time, um, just involved a lot of drinking my anxiety, like, you know, mm-hmm. me getting mad and stuff like that. And don't like, I have no reason why I'm getting mad. I'm just getting mad when I get drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously it's from suppressing a lot of those thoughts and feelings from that. Yeah. Um, 
from that experience and all the other experiences along the way as well, mm-hmm. uh, which sort of led to, you know, it led to us breaking up and then I went traveling, mm. um, which was great. At the time I went with two buddies and we were in, <laughs> we were in Indonesia for, <clears throat> for, um, for a month together. And then, uh, we just had a, a like a blast there and mm-hmm. just, it was like drinking party the entire time. Like it was awesome. Um, <clears throat> and then I actually met up with my ex in New Zealand cause she, we were supposed to go traveling together, but then we broke up, mm. um, met up with her in New Zealand. We're living together in a van for like two months, which is not great. Um, so this was the same girl you were having <laughs> troubles with at home. Uh, yeah. So yeah, basically like it was like, we dated for like on and off for like, I want to say it was like, we dated for like two years and Mm. then it was like kind of on and off for like another year. Okay. Um, and this was the same girl at home, um, that she broke up with me before we wanted to go traveling. I don't know why, but I I get now why she wanted to, I was pretty shitty, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, um, we're like, she's like, I'm still going to New Zealand. And I was like, that was the plan. We we're going to go to New Zealand together. Like we're our, our separate groups. We're going to go and travel Southeast Asia, but then like meet up again in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did, and it was like just weird. And you know, she, uh, she was going through a pretty tough, um, time when we were over there. Uh, her sister was pregnant and, um, her sister actually like lost the baby. Oh yeah. yeah. But she actually had to have the baby and the baby was alive for like a few minutes after it was born, but it was something was wrong with him that, um, it, he couldn't survive mm-hmm. after birth for that much longer. Um, and while she was over there, like she, she basically her sister knew like with two months left in the pregnancy that this was going to happen. So she was living knowing that her, like her, her sister's baby was going to die. And I was just over there in New Zealand, just like not, caring for her not being supportive just like still kind of messed up in my own mind from just years of just suppressing like my feelings and thoughts and and everything like that um so eventually she left and I was going to come home too but um I just decided to stay for like another seven months and just make it a full year oh that's a long (laughs) (laughs) just gonna stay for another like what seven days (laughs) no yeah so i was like i don't have anything really to come home to um uh i had applied to bcit uh the marketing program when i was over there and i was like if i get accepted i'll come home in august or whatever and so when uh when i was in new zealand i worked there for about six months and i was like just worked in a kiwi fruit pack house, just stacking boxes of kiwi fruit, <laughs> and it was honestly one of the best times of my life because, like, I had forgotten all about my shit that I had yeah. at home, and I didn't have to deal with it because I nobody knew me, nobody knew my problems. I didn't have any problems in New Zealand; like, it was pretty stress free environment. Like, mm-hmm. I just stacked kiwi boxes, got paid, and went <laughs> surfing. Yeah, yeah, it sounds not bad. <laughs> yeah, and so, but then I did get accepted to this program, came back, um, and right away there was there is like my problems were still there right mm-hmm. away like it was kind of on and off with this girl um so me, you came back and talked to, and you guys were in touch again we were in touch the entire time i was away oh um like we had been like we'd known each other for quite a while before we even started dating mm. um but yeah we were in touch again when i got back and um it was just on and off like i was in the bcit program 
um, which is fine. Was it like, what were your problems like together like? Like were, were, were you always kind of like arguing or like disagreeing on this on the same? Like, was it like mm-hmm. a constant thing or was it just like always something different? It wasn't a constant thing. It was more just my insecurities. Okay. I think we weren't really arguing about stupid shit. Like we were honestly pretty relaxed and chill. Mm-hmm. Um, it was mostly just like, I would get stressed about something yeah, and then I would make it a really, really big issue. Right. Right. To the point where like I'm not sleeping or whatever, Mm -hmm. like, and like I'm up all night just like thinking about this, like one stupid little thing that happens throughout the day and then I'm blaming her for it, even Mm. though it's like a hundred percent me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, no, but it wasn't like just bickering or anything like that. Um, and I didn't really know, like it was, anxiety like i had a thought it was anxiety at the time but i was also just like oh it's just like a relationship issue you know yeah it's not me it's both of us but yeah it's so hard to to tell mm-hmm. in those situations um because i had similar uh, with my ex-girlfriend where it was always like all i would do is just it was more like if i wasn't with her i'd be worrying like a lot yeah. like what's she doing um yeah she didn't reply. She's probably with three fucking dudes right now naked. I'm like, fuck, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, in reality, she's probably just at home fucking having dinner with her parents. Yeah. But like, just stupid shit where like, you know, I'd be sitting there all night, couldn't sleep because I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, fuck, she's, fuck, she's cheating on me. Like, I'm freaking <laughs> out. But like, man, then in the morning, she's like, oh yeah, just like, whatever. Night was good. And I'm like, I watched a movie, went to sleep early. Like, yeah, I'm like, <clears throat> Jesus. So it's, yeah, it's crazy the shit that your mind can come up with in those uh, situations. Yeah, but it was basically stuff like that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But like, moving forward, like, um, I, uh, yeah, I went to school for, well, I went to school a bunch of times, but we won't really talk about that because it was shitty. <laughs> um, but then I did find a program that I liked at BCIT. And was it marketing? No. It was the marketing communications program okay. at UCIT. Super high intensive. You do like eight courses a semester. There's like three semesters in a year. And it's just like, you're just, basically they're just teaching like time management. Like okay. You do learn marketing and it's really useful. And like all the teachers are, um, they're not teachers. They're people within the um, industry mm-hmm. that are teaching you. Um, so they're currently working. Mm-hmm. They're not just reading from a textbook. Okay. Um, which is really helpful and really nice. And it was like probably one of the greatest experiences of my entire life, um, which I never thought I'd have at school. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that program was super intensive and basically you get thrown in these cohorts. So for the first year you're with the exact same people uh, for every class. Mm-hmm. So you have like sets of 25 people or whatever, and you go to your labs with your set and then you have your, lectures with you maybe in your lecture you'll have like six other sets or whatever mm. but you always go to the same courses with everyone so you get into this like you make really good friendships yeah. out of it but basically like in my set we would just drink like every weekend <laughs> like, oh so you guys like hung out quite a bit outside of school yeah man like how long was the course so it was like a full year you were with them two, two years oh shit yeah that's two, a while yeah two years is the course um and yeah, you're with them like every day. Like I just kind of like at, when you go to those programs, like you, you it's like a full time job. And then then some like you do it on the weekends as well. Like mm-hmm. we're meeting up, doing homework, doing our assignments, um, doing like a lot of presentations and stuff like that. Working with real businesses, like working on different marketing pr- um, proposals and stuff, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, but yeah, like my set was just like we got really close really fast and. There's a lot of good people in it and we just drank every weekend, just had fun. And um, it was right at the end of my first year of 
BCIT and you go through like a week of exams, you have seven exams in like one week. Um, and it's just like super, super stressful. And like at the end of it, like we all had a party or whatever. And then, um, it was actually at my friend, friend Jen's birthday. Um, it was right after I graduated. It was with my other friends, like my friends from high school and, oh, and okay. stuff like that. I didn't, I, like I, I saw them throughout the year, but, um, I spent a lot of the time at school. So I was only hanging out with my school friends. So it was like, yeah, I'll come out to Jen's birthday, see everyone again. Like I'm free for the summer kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, it was like any other night we were drinking. I, like I'd never at that point, like, yeah, I was drinking like every weekend, but I'm not drinking to get blackout. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of times I've actually blacked out from drinking is like, I can probably count on one hand. Okay. Um, so that night. So you weren't like an insanely heavy drinker. No, it was just like, like the volume when I drank wasn't a lot. It's just, I drank often. Okay. Yeah. Like Friday, Saturday, like every weekend kind mm-hmm, of thing, mm-hmm. but I wasn't getting blackout drunk. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. control myself. Um, so that weekend, um, we were going to Jen's birthday. Um, and we all got this like limo downtown or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as we did back then. Um, and I think now like I'm at that age, I was, yeah, I was 26. So this is, this was only three years ago. Okay. Um, and um, everyone was having fun. Like, I was super stoked that I was, like, made it through my first year of BCIT. I was never really good at school, um, but I, I did really well my first year and um, I wanted to celebrate and didn't drink anything out of the ordinary that night. But basically, I got down to this bar called the Yale Oh yeah, it's country, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a country bar. Hell yeah! I think it's got the uh, a bowl. Yeah, it does. Or like, pretty it, sure. If it doesn't anymore, like I don't know. I haven't <laughs> been there since that night. But um, and it was just like any other night. Like we were just drinking, dancing with friends and stuff like that. And um, the last thing I remember from that night is uh, like walking walking into the place and my next memory is like just walking into the L walking into the L. Yeah. And my next memory is waking up in on a stretcher in a neck brace with like blood all over my hands for some reason. Um, and just like rewind a little bit, um, just to like connect to like, I've connected that story. Now I know what happens in that time. Um, basically what had happened is I got in there I was drinking, obviously I was already drunk. Um, and I don't know if it was the amount that I was drinking or if something was given to me. Um, but I had proceeded to blackout. Mm -hmm. Um, and I left with uh, a few friends, a friend, Emily, Jordan, um, and Malia and her boyfriend. And we went to go get pizza up the road or something like that. I don't know. There's some stupid pizza place on, on Greenville strip. One of the late night places. Yeah. And, we were all getting pizza there. They're saying like, I wasn't slurring my words. Like, yeah, I, I was drunk, no drunker than the rest of the people. Um, uh, but I wanted to go home really badly. Um, and so Jordan, Malia and Malia's boyfriend went back and then Emily, um, cabbed me home to my house. Uh, and I was living with my parents at the time, mm-hmm. um, and cabbed me home. And she remembers, or she told me, I texted her the next day after this. So I was like, She's like, yeah, like you're fine in the cab. Like you got out. I saw you walk into the gate. 
Um, there's this big fence around my parents' house. Okay. Uh, and then that was it. So she didn't see me go inside or not. Um, but what I had done, I guess, and I don't have any memory of this, is um, whenever I go out, I leave my keys in the basement, which is where I was sleeping at the time. Um, I don't have any need to bring them, and it's always just something like my dad um, has told me, just like leave your keys at home if you're drinking. Mm-hmm. Like Not that I had the urge to go drink and drive or anything like that, but mm-hmm. it's just something he taught me at a young age, and so I did. But I must have gone downstairs into my room, got my keys, came back outside, and I guess I had passed out in the driver's seat of my car, and um, two guys woke me up. Um, so this is, this is the details that I didn't tell you mm-hmm. beautiful, but, um, two guys were knocking on my door. Um, this is all from the police report. So I don't, I don't know what's going on at this point. Um, I don't have any memory of it, but, um, they're knocking on my door and apparently they're like trying to wake me up. They saw me passed out. My lights were on in the car. Um, and apparently I tried to get out of the car. Obviously I was super intoxicated. It was saying a bunch of stupid shit. Like, apparently I wanted to try and fight one of them. So they got in the car and like ran away. And I was like, what the fuck? I've never fought anyone in my life. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh my God. And so what I proceeded to do is follow them down the street in the car and they could see from their witness statements. They said they could see my headlights in their rear view mirror or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and while I was driving down the car, uh, the, my street, it's a pretty, you know, it's a, it's a small Smaller street, street north yeah. and yeah, it's a super residential, like basically like a forest. Um, I hit the back of a van head on. Um, I don't know if I was wearing a seatbelt at the time. I, I don't, I have no idea. Um, but, uh, there was a person sleeping inside that van, a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and was it parked? Yeah, it was parked outside of a house. Like on the road. On the road, yeah. Oh. This was like, yeah, like three in the morning or something mm-hmm. like that. And she was sleeping in the van. I, I don't I don't know why she was there. She was visiting family sleeping in the van or mm-hmm. something. Um, and I'd hit this person in a van. And um, back to when I woke up, I have a few memories when I woke up on that, on that stretcher. Um, there was somebody in the ambulance uh, talking to me um, and saying I was in an accident and at that point, I I just thought this is a dream or something like that, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna wake up soon. Uh, and then I blacked out again. And then I woke up and I was in the hospital, and I could see um, a cop standing over me, and there was like a doctor or something in the room, and someone else I don't really know who. Um, but still, I was lying on a stretcher, I had my head in a neck brace, um, blood all over my hands, like my head was like throbbing, um, and the cop told me, he's like, you've been in an accident. And I was like, no, no, I haven't. And I was like, I just, I was just like out with my friends. Um, mm-hmm. He's like, no, you're, you've been in an accident. Um, and someone else is involved. And I was like, okay. And I was like, um, well, I was like, are they okay? And he's like, someone else is involved. That's all I can tell you. I need to ask you some questions. And so immediately, um, I thought I'd killed someone. Yeah. Like been driving down the road and hit someone like head on or something like that. So I started freaking out and I was like, no, no, I want to talk to my dad. I want to talk to my dad. I don't want to talk to anyone else. Like he's like, no, you need to answer these questions. Um, and then I just remember blacking out again. And I remember doing like a CT scan there. Um, and then I remember 
and I'm doing some other tests and I just remember keep blacking in and out. And mm. I, I, I guess it was, I must've hit my head because when I finally saw myself in a mirror, I had this huge gash on Ooh. my forehead there. Um, and there was just blood coming out of it. But basically after my tests were done, they, uh, the, um, they walked me, you know, Lionsgate hospital. In the North Shore? Yeah. I don't know. It's on Lonsdale, but there's a jail right beside it. Um, so they walked me across the street in handcuffs. Oh and this God. is where I start remembering things pretty clearly. Um, they, they walked me across the street in handcuffs, um, to the jail, um, where I found out a little more about what happened. Um, there's three cops down there. Um, and they're like, you've been in an accident. Someone else was involved. Um, we can't, we can't tell you what happened to them, but we need you to take this breathalyzer test. And I just sat there for six hours and didn't say a word. <laughs> didn't, didn't say a word. And then finally, um, they're asking me, they're like, who, do, so like, yo, do you want to call a lawyer? I was like, I want to talk to my dad. And they're like, no, you can't talk to your dad. You can't talk to your family. And eventually I, uh, there's a call, like maybe an hour later, a call down and I guess my dad had called and gave um, me a number to a lawyer to call. Mm. And so I called the lawyer and talked to her for a bit on the phone and she was telling me just what to do. She's just like, yeah, take the breathalyzer test and like you'll get out of there. Um, and so I took it, got out of there, and my parents picked me up, which was the worst fucking feeling in my life. Like, yeah, I bet. They, they were both crying picking me up from this police station in North Van like yeah um and I was still pretty unclear of what had happened um and um just got home and I just like laid in my bed for like two days straight Mm -hmm. like didn't move um because I thought I'd killed someone yeah you still don't have any like answers at all no I, I didn't get any answers for about five days um and like during those five days, like a lot of shit happened. Um, a, like, you know, all of my friends are texting me. They're like, where'd you go that night? Like what happened? Like the very next day, like it was my like best friend, Cam, you know, my roommate's birthday. Oh, really? And I didn't show up. And he's like, what the fuck, dude, where are you? And I just like didn't, re- didn't reply. Um, and um, I didn't tell anyone. And I was like kind of thinking, I was like, well, fuck, if I, if I, if I really did kill someone, like I, you know, I, I can't go to jail. Like I won't be able to survive that. Like I need to, you mm. know, get out of here or something. Like, yeah. Like leave, leave or something. It's like, I can't flee the country. And so like, I had a lot of bad thoughts, a lot of dark thoughts. And like, I never like mentioned this to my parents or anything like that. And, um, taking my life was one of them. Like I didn't want to, mm-hmm. like, but I knew I couldn't like fully, you know, like last that long in a, in a prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like five days later and like, I finally was able to leave my room or whatever. And, um, I was going to go for a walk around the block with my dad. And I just remember he was out front in the yard, like getting our dog leashed up and everything like that. And he, um, he was like, just wait inside, wait inside and like push me back inside. And, um, there's this, uh, lady walking up the street in a neck brace and he was telling me that he was like, that's the lady. Like, he's like, I was like, okay. And I was like, she's fine then. Like, she's not dead. And she, he's like, no. Um, and she's walking up the street and I was just like, so relieved, obviously, you know, relieved yeah. that I hadn't killed someone, but yeah. still like kind of fucked up that all this had happened. Mm-hmm. And so from there, um, I remember the next day, the, the cop who 
um, who was dealing with me that night. I didn't, I didn't, he was in the hospital and at the jail and everything like that. I can't remember his name. Super nice dude, actually. I remember t- I talked to him for a little bit after, after the fact, like a year later or whatever. Um, he had my phone and some other stuff and he was dropping it off and he was dropping, and he also had a list of charges or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he was talking to my dad and my dad didn't let me answer the door. He's like, just wait around the corner. So I was waiting around the corner listening to him. He's like, yeah, he's like, we're charging your son with, you know, dangerous driving with intent to cause bodily harm. Um, he's like, it's a jailable offense, um, blah, blah, blah. Like, here's the date for the sentencing hearing. And I was like, fuck. Like, mm-hmm. And I was like, what the fuck is a sentencing hearing? And my dad's like, basically, they just like pick how long they're going to throw you in jail for. <laughs> You're like, sick. <laughs> and so at this point, at this point, um, so that same lawyer I called that night, we called her, went to go talk to her and she basically ran me whole, like ran me through every scenario or whatever. She's like, um, this is like what have happened to other people. This is, you know, and they all end in jail sentences. Some of them are split between, you know, house arrest and jail. Some yeah. of them are reduced to one month in jail. Some are six months in jail. Like for me though, any time in jail would have just fucking ruined me. Like, yeah, I'll fucking look at me, I'm yeah. skinny. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna die in there. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, and so, um, I thought like the sentencing hearing was basically supposed to be six months from my crash, mm-hmm. which happened on June, um, June tenth, two thousand and seventeen, um, and it got pushed a full year. So, so an extra six months or an extra year. So, so from the, yeah, from the date, it got pushed another six months. So a year from the crash. Yeah. So it was like the following June, whatever June got pushed again, um, all the way to, and I'm getting pushed a couple more times to 2018. I had it December, December 18th, 2018. That's almost two year, two, a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. A year and a half. Um, and like during that time, um, yeah, I was collecting character references. I was, I was, you know, doing a bunch of community service, trying to do everything I can to, to show this judge that whoever I was going to get, that it was a one-time mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never done anything like that in my life. And, um, basically I, I was just like mentally preparing myself to go to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, cause even my lawyer was being realistic with me at the time. She was just saying like, you know, there's only so much I can do. Um, but like for the most part, people in your situation, like even if they don't have any priors, even if they're like, you know, led a decent life and stuff like that, they generally, this is a jailable offense. Mm -hmm. Um, and so during that time, like uh, I remember like, this is when I kind of started actually dealing with some issues in my life. Like I was going to therapy, like almost like every week. Mm. Um, and, talking to my therapist about it, talking to like my friends and family about it. Um, and I was very open about the whole thing. I remember, um, the next day actually after the crash or no, five days after the crash, like I, I had to tell my boss or whatever, like immediately I talked to him, he picked me up and we, we chatted and he's just like, he's like, there's a few things you can do. Um, you can let this, you know, rule your life and, you know, let it affect you. And, um, you know, let yeah. it control you basically he's like or he's like you can try and find the gift in the situation and he was telling me told me a story about how his one of his cousins died from an overdose and they're 
doing the same thing. They were trying to like, where's the gift here? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was saying like, the gift is he's like, now he has the power to like, you know, step into anyone's life and just say like, you know, don't do this. Like, you know, stop, like try and help them. And so for me, um, I kind of found two, um, for one, it was the same thing. Like if my friends are planning on, not that anyone plans to drink and drive, but, Mm -hmm. um, I've been pretty active about it. Um, I was volunteering with, uh, an at, um, it's called the odd squad. It's for like youth that are at risk of drugs and alcohol addiction Okay, run by the Vancouver police department. So I was volunteering with them for quite a while and did some stuff. And then also just within my friends, I was just like, I told them the whole story and like, hopefully it just scares the shit out of them that they don't want to ever do that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like I'm fucking prime example, like poster boy for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyways, um, the second one was just like, I don't know, my relationship with my dad during that entire time was pretty shit. Like, I don't think I told him I loved him up until after the crash. Um, I remember like saying it when I was super young, but there was probably a good 10 years of my life where I never hugged or told my dad that I loved him. Mm-hmm. With my mom, it was a bit different. She was always very um, like physical, mm-hmm. like, like the touch and stuff like that. And he was a cop and he was a bit hard and he was very hard on me, but I, I you know, appreciate yeah. everything he did for me. Um, cause I wouldn't have gotten through that situation without him. He sat with me, like with the lawyers, he sat with me through every meeting. He knew what to do. Like I wouldn't have known what to do if he wasn't there. Like I would probably would have been like gone to jail for sure if he wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Like I would have stood a chance, but basically like fast forward to the, um, to the sentencing hearing is probably one of the most, like looking back on it, it kind of feels like a, like a TV show almost like, like straight up, like, so like in a suit all my friends and family are there. There's probably about 25, 30 people in this courtroom. There's oh, a judge. I don't know if I'd want my friends and family. Like fucking going alone, man. I don't want to. <laughs> no, but see, that's the thing. Like I didn't want to like my thing was like, if I, like if I do stand a chance, it's like to show this judge that like I have people that are like relying on me and counting on me. Like I cannot go to jail. So like mm-hmm. my lawyer is like, bring everyone. Yeah. Like all my uncles were there. Cousins. Like my sisters were both there, like just like all my close buddies were there. Um, and uh, it was fucking sad as shit because like <laughs> they were like, no one had heard the full details at the time because like I hadn't, I'd only recently read the police report maybe about like six or seven months ago. So yeah, they gave up, everyone got to hear everything. Everyone got to hear everything, dude. It was fucking four hours of them talking about it. And then, really? Yeah. And then they had to break. And so I had to go home. And then it was four hours of my person, my lawyer, like basically defending me. And then we had another break. Dude, this is like lasted all fucking day. Oh my God. And like, I was just like, literally didn't eat, didn't drink a sip of water, dude. Like, just like was in the same suit all day. Just like fucking just like my friends would come up to me and stuff and be like, Hey man, like this is going to be okay. Like you got this. And I was just like, I don't Yeah. Like, I didn't know what to do. Like, mm-hmm. my whole family kept doing this and stuff. And I was just like, I, all I could do is just be like, thanks for coming. Like, yeah, I appreciate it. But, um, and then it came for my time to speak and it was fucking horrible. Like, I just broke down and started crying. And, like, you know, I had to like give this statement and stuff. And, like, I couldn't do it. How did you like pre write the statement? Yeah, it was pre written. Um, and obviously, like, I couldn't remember most of it, but, a lot of it just kind of came from 
the heart yeah. at the end of it. Um, and they, after that, took another fucking break, made their decision, and like, fuck, dude, that is like that whole lead up for that year and a half coming down to like one fucking moment, and mm. like, it was just like the most like anxious, like literally just like trapped to my chair, like couldn't move, couldn't think, mm-hmm. like literally like pins and needles throughout like my brain, like it was just so embarrassed to look behind me, like all my friends and family there. I was like, fuck, like, this is it. <laughs> And, like, just, like, such, like, a big moment, but, mm-hmm. like, in the worst possible fucking way. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can imagine that kind of pressure with someone who's, like, I don't know, playing for some massive trophy or something. Like, yeah, like yeah. Like, this big race or something, but it's the complete opposite. It's, like, yeah. that feeling. And and uh, they weren't sending me to jail, clearly. I'm here. Yeah. And uh, I just had a three-year probation, um, which involved a lot of, community service some restrictions from drinking for a while uh and obviously restrictions from driving Mm -hmm. um and so it was like a big relief and um obviously like i have a lot of ptsd like today from that Mm -hmm. i remember you and i were talking about well your emails about the the sober the the sober november that you're doing Mm -hmm. um one of them kind of triggered me and I, i actually thought about it and it was just like your relationship with alcohol and like just now I'm just kind of like, you know, thinking about that and mm-hmm. how my relationship actually is with alcohol and like what it means to me. And like, it's only done me bad. Like, <laughs> yeah. As like you, you said to, like to you as well, like that's the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. Your relationship with it is pretty negative. Yeah. I mean, I don't really, I don't know when I think about it on the grand scheme for anybody, um, you know, even if you have fun with it, that still doesn't really mean it's a positive thing in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I just really don't know anybody that it benefits. You know, when you think about it in the in the long term, or the the way it affects your body and the and the way you think. Like I think every single person would benefit without the use of it, mm-hmm. um, and that's what I truly believe. But it's uh, I don't know. It's hard to see that when it's become so normal. I think yeah, it just depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, it's not like consuming my life to the point that I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. But <clears throat> it did lead me to do some pretty dumb things, mm-hmm. um, some pretty stupid things and risk the life of myself and another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. It just. I'm a little bit curious about like, did she have to speak there too? No. So what happened with the woman, uh, and I'm not going to say her name just because. Yeah. But. Um, she, she was actually probably the best person to be in this situation ever. Um, obviously I had injured her and I had affected her life for the rest of her entire life. Like she Mm -hmm. was an older woman, um, very active. And I think, I think she's fully recovered now, but for quite a while she was not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and she actually wrote a letter that we read in my my lawyer read in court and it was just to say, I hope Cameron's okay. Like, I hope, you know, you guys can like find, like, forgive him because I, I forgive him. And that was the first time I heard that letter. And I was like, holy shit, like, this <laughs> yeah. person is a fucking angel. <laughs> and, and so like, I've actually, um, I reached out to her and I talked to her a, a while. I don't know. This was like, like after this the, was after the, the thing. Yeah. Um, I got her information through, my parole officer, um, which I have, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, you know, if any of my friends are 
end up listening to this or watching this is they're hearing this for the first time because a lot of people i told people if they found out Mm -hmm. uh, and i told people if i felt i had to tell people um but i've never like you know made it public well, I feel like it's just also such a long story. Like, even when Fuck, you told it yeah. to me, you're like, okay, well, like, it's just a lot. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I felt the same way a lot of times when I share my stuff. I feel like, oh, man, like, well, like, what's going on with you? You yeah. know, if they'd ask about my anxiety, um, yeah. I'm like, man fuck, I don't know, like, you want me to retell my entire life right now? Like, it just becomes a lot. So I it's feel like... like you start? Yeah, exactly. And I feel like it's just a weird thing. And I feel like every time I tell it, someone gets a different story. It's mm-hmm. like depending how I'm feeling that day and how much time I have with them and mm-hmm. what seems important at that point for me because sometimes different aspects of my journey stick out at different times in my life. So kind of everyone I've ever talked about, it gets like a different version of my story. So sometimes it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard. And yeah. it's like, it's also draining for you. It's like, fuck you. Is that what you want to talk about every time you go out and like yeah. have to explain this whole fucking story? Like probably yeah. not. No. Um, so yeah, it tends to kind of stick on the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and with the with it all like now cuz this is still pretty recent. So so mm-hmm. when did you like when were you cleared from the whole jail thing? When was this? Like a year or two ago? Yeah, um or, or was yeah, that De- day? December 18th, 2018. 2018. So it's been 2 years. So it's been 2 years um almost. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Yeah, a couple Yeah, like less than a month. Yeah, less than a month. Yeah, less than a month. Um, since the actual court date, um, and yeah, like I'll be able to drive then, which will be pretty nice. It was a two year, it was a two year ban, um, from that. But yeah, within those two years, like I still had to, it was really stressful at the time. Cause like, um, during that all, like I, I completed my second year at BCIT. Oh, right. Having to deal with like lawyers, having to deal with, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty on uncertainty and bullshit. And my parents at the time were like, they really, they're like, you can drop out and we won't, you know, blame you for it. Like, this is very stressful. School is very stressful. Like, how are you going to handle all this? And the way I handled it was not great as I just dove into school mm. and distracted myself with it. But I caught myself, um, doing that halfway through. And then that's when I started going to therapy. Mm. Uh, I told some friends at school, um, a girl named Steph and a girl named Shelby who are two of my closest friends at school. Um, and they were really key and just like, you know, so like I was like, I need somebody to fucking know this at school. Cause like I'm going mental. Yeah. Like, the only one, like I have my family who knows and like I'm have them, I have some uh, close friends from my circle, but like I come to school and it's just like, it's like a separate life. And it's like, it's like I can either use this as like, kind of like when I was traveling, like leave all my problems behind, like mm-hmm. at school, I'm just normal and I don't have to think about anything. I was like, or I can like, you know, deal with it and have people here that know and support me. So mm-hmm. like those two were really helpful. Um, and then fast forward after I graduated, um, I got like my first internship and that turned into a job at, um, this event company called brand live group. And the, I was working there during the court date. And so mm-hmm. I do approach the, <laughs> to approach my boss and be like um this is like a month out i was like hey like after this date like i might not be able to work anymore and they're like why and so <laughs> i had to tell them the whole story because yeah like, like it was after work and like we spent like two hours talking about it and she was just like 
she was like, yes, of course. Like I'll write you a letter. Like, um, like I, like I'll, and then like mm-hmm. she was my direct boss, but I had to talk to like the HR and like the owners of the company, this husband and wife who are super sweet people, by mm-hmm. the way, and helped me quite a bit during this. Um, they all wrote letters for me and I just let them know. I was like, yeah, after December 18th, like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a major event um, happening family day in February. Right. Um, so we were like in the heat of planning it. It was a big event for Van City, mm-hmm. um, the bank. And uh, luckily, you know, got to keep my job. Like they could have right there just been like, you know, fuck you. Like you're fired. Like, yeah, I just feel like, you know, we need to find someone else because we can't, yeah. you know, they can't maybe deal with that too. Mm-hmm. But no, they stuck with me and they stuck with me as long as they could. Mm-hmm. Um, right up until COVID. But yeah, yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. So yeah, that whole time after leading up until now, um, I haven't been to therapy that often recently, but I've, I've been in a pretty decent state and like, I don't know. I'm, I think it was, uh, when did we meet? Like last year in December or January? I don't know, actually. I feel like I looked back and we did that run in February. That, that first one. Yeah, we probably met a little bit before that then because it definitely January. took a while before we actually started doing activities together because mm-hmm. we used to just meet at co- like coffee shops every week or yeah. two. And yeah. then, yeah. So. As soon as it got warm, we started biking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, during that time was when I was, I was, uh, you know, I wasn't, you know, I'd, I'd made some big changes in my life, like eating wise. Mm-hmm. I was always an active kid and that was always something I did from a very young age. Um, uh, it was like a competitive cross country skiing and, and runner. So mm-hmm. like that's, that's just all I knew. Yeah. But it was like, changed my diet, drank a little less, definitely talked more mm-hmm. to people <laughs> Yeah, about my feelings and stuff like that. Even my family too, like the, just, we have a better relationship between all of us, um, now. And, uh, and um, yeah, that's basically what's happened between now and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here we are, still, <laughs> still dealing with it. But yeah, like it's something that's still take definitely like playing a role. Um, yeah, in your life, and like, do you think that? Do you ever think about like going back to therapy or or something like that now, or do you just kind of utilize like friends and family um, to talk to more? I think if I ever got like if it ever if I ever felt the way I did during that time, yeah, I'd go back, but. I've been to therapy so much and even my therapist was like, yeah, like if you, like you, we can talk about this and like keep going over and over and over again. And like, but like, if you don't want to like, if you're not going to like, you know, think about any, like target any new problems or something like that. She's just like, she's like, you know, therapy night might not be the best thing for you. She wasn't saying like I was done therapy, but cause you're just kind of revisiting the same thing all the time. Yeah. I was revisiting the same thing. And obviously like that same, that situation was the reason for a lot of my problems, mm-hmm. but it's also carried over into this, into this time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if I ever felt that way, like, I don't know, I feel pretty mentally capable of dealing with a lot of the problems on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, like obviously COVID has affected a lot of people, but to me, like nothing's really changed. Mm-hmm. Like I've been through a pretty shit time in my life. So my ability <laughs> to deal with crap is a lot higher, yeah. I think, than a lot of people. So it takes a lot for me these days to get stressed. 
like, yeah, I lost my job, like, you know, two weeks ago, but fuck it. Like almost went to jail once. So who gives a fuck? <laughs> almost went to jail. So top that. Bitch. Yeah, exactly. Like, like uh, so like a lot of things, like I just sort of compare them now. Like, you know, it's not a big deal. Like you'll figure it out eventually. And like, yeah, in that moment I'm stressed and I'm anxious, but like, you know, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I don't like run away from the anxiety. I kind of accept it and just like, it goes away a lot quicker that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. So I've sure. learned to do that. But like, I think it's smart for everyone to use therapy and go like even if you're not feeling anything and like yeah like i've thought about recently maybe just like checking in because like they can kind of help you identify things that you didn't even know were happening yeah yeah definitely yeah um yeah i think that's definitely i don't know sometimes too you just yeah maybe go every few months see what comes up if anything or, or whatever it is um and like beyond that what do you see because I know COVID didn't really change either, either of our lives, yeah. like, you know, with the podcast and the things that we've been doing together, nothing's, I mean, obviously do a few online episodes and stuff like that. But yeah. as yeah. far as like our relationship and things we've done, a lot of the stuff's outside. So like when yeah. they opened up parks, we would go bike together and like, yeah, we're still doing the things we wanted uh, to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving forward from now, is there anything that you like see yourself doing um like what do you kind of see yourself doing now um i don't know it doesn't have to be directly related but is there anything i don't like what do you think your future looks like as you like go further beyond this because it's still pretty recent so Mm -hmm. i feel like i feel like it's definitely still heavy i mean there's things for me that have happened in like a year or two is still like it's It's still really there like it doesn't feel like it was years ago, whereas like certain things I'd done like four or five years ago, it feels like I've lived a whole life since then. And mm-hmm. I feel like you're probably not, doesn't seem like you're, feel like that about it yet. Like it's still the soon. So I wonder what you think it'll, what the next couple of years looks like. Yeah. Like the actual crash I'm pretty at peace with, but the court case and all that is still True, relatively right. fresh. So it's been in stages. Um, and like for the future, like, yeah, I'm still just like trying to figure it out and um like dealing with you know just the mental health side of it first, which I'm still dealing with mm-hmm. every day. Like there's not a day that I don't think about it and get anxious about it. Um but like that was the first step. Second step is like I don't know, like I've thought like I want to get involved somehow talking to like kids about it, mm-hmm. just younger people that I can be an example to just because like I got pretty fucking lucky. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, you can only get lucky so many times. And if you don't keep, if you, if I don't do anything about it, I feel like something bad is going to happen. You know, Mm. like if you just keep repeating the same like habits and habits and habits, like, like what happened, like for me when I was younger, it was like the same habits over and again, like, I was just drank, like not deal with my shit, like mm-hmm. all the time, like doing the same shit all the time. And like, you know, something bad happened. Yeah. Like, like I was involved in like not directly involved in a suicide, but it's not like that was a bad thing to me, but it was pretty scarring. Mm-hmm. Just didn't do anything about it, do anything about it. And then this fucking car crash happens. Like, you know, there's signs. So like, I want to be able to do something to, you know, educate younger people or just anyone to, and, and just be a bit of an example. I don't know what it is yet. Um, I haven't really thought about it. I haven't really had time to think about it, but I knew from that immediately from that when I crashed Mm -hmm. and, you know, 
had to deal with all this shit. Like I was just like, I don't want, like I wouldn't wish anyone to go through that. Like it was fucking horrible. Um, so yeah, something mm-hmm. in the, in that line, but you know, that's still, ugh, I have no idea what it is. So yeah. It remains to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. Just try some things and mm-hmm. see what comes up and yeah. Yeah. Watch for the signs. Yeah, exactly. And so like, yeah, the first thing I think like, that's why I, like when you reached out to or I reached out to you on Craigslist, I think it was initially for like social media for like ride or something. And then, Oh and shit. Then it, was it? It was, it went, and then like below is like also starting a podcast. I need someone to run the social media for the podcast. Cause you had someone else editing it. Oh yeah. That's yeah. what it was. I had the other guy doing the edits. You had some other guy doing the edits, but then like, I remember I started and I was like posting like Chuck pictures and stuff. Also, yeah. I thought you were a girl for the, like on Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this is going to be sick. Like Shelby, like she, she runs like a truck company. And I was like, oh, she's going to be fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And I remember I was at the gym and you called me because I, <laughs> I guess I gave you my number and yeah. my email or whatever. And you're just like, hello? <laughs> oh my God. You're like, I was like, fuck. <laughs> Dude, people used to do that when I worked out of town. Yeah. I um was boiler making and I would show up to the job and they would get a job list. Oh, yeah, so the, so the foreman would be like um they would get the list of their crew and they would come into the uh whatever the fuck the room was where everybody hung out and yeah. they'd be okay, uh, we're crewing up today and he's like calling out. He's like Shelby and I'm like put my hand up in there and like all the guys are like Oh fuck! They're like, <laughs> they thought, it was they some we hot thought you were the fucking hot girl one, and like, I guess there's a girl that's pretty. Oh, good looking. there's like another girl. Yeah, there is a girl named Shelby in, <laughs> in the union that's like supposedly good looking, and yeah. I'm like, okay, like, so everyone was pissed because they thought that um I was her. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of funny. But I do get that a lot. I never really think about it, but yeah, on my emails and posts and stuff, yeah, it happens quite often where people think I'm a girl. Yeah, no, and then because I, I told my dad about it, he's like, oh, he's probably named after the car, and I was like, I don't. I don't know. And then I asked you and a Soyuz and I guess your dad. Yeah, my dad that loves those things. Actually loves the car and I was like, oh, sure enough, it is. Yeah, yeah, pretty funny. But yeah, that was one of the things that drew me to your post. Is I didn't, I can't remember the actual post, but it, did you, did it, did it say mental millennials? It probably it was a did. podcast about mental health? No, I think it did because I remember you replying to it. Um, saying something about Saying something health. about mental health, yeah. And I think I looked at your website and like read the, I read the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Your story and whatever. And I was like, holy shit. And then like found, did like the whole lurk, you know? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Instagram and shit. I was like, yeah, this dude's the same age as me. Um, and I was like, oh shit. Like some fucked up stuff has happened to him. Blah, blah, blah. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, some fucked up stuff has happened to me too. I was like, well, I don't know, I'm just going to reply. Like, I don't care if I work for the truck company, do the podcast, like whatever it is, mm-hmm. like I'll do it. Um, and I already had a job at the time. I was just looking through Craigslist randomly. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, fuck it. Like, sure. <laughs> um, and that was one of the things I was like, yeah, like I want to be involved in mental health. I want to be doing something that's making a difference. And like, you know, yeah, we, we haven't made anything from this podcast. <laughs> like money like, wise, money wise. But like, I think even it, I mean, the impact hasn't been as big as we've wanted it to be, but no. we've made we've made sacrifice sacrificial decisions that we understand yeah. um, for hopefully bigger impact come the next month or so. Yeah, but, but I think like just in that small community or whatever of like the people that you know we've brought on mm-hmm. and that we've known and like it's it's like starting the conversation yeah. with people, um, and 
I never thought I would come on here. I was super nervous today to even like talk about my story because like, I don't know what's like how people are going to react to it. Like if my friends do see this, cause like I'll probably, I'm going to share it obviously on, yeah. my, on my story and stuff like that. And like a lot of people are going to be hearing it for the first time. So I assume people on this side of the table, like when they're sharing their story and it, like I'm the one posting it, like I'm like, yeah, fuck. Like I'm just, yeah, I'm just clicking post. Like, yeah, fuck, yeah. And they're probably like, oh shit. Like, I was being pretty vulnerable in front of the camera. So it's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I like the platform and I like, you know, the small little community that we're building. And I do think down the road, it can be something pretty special. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of one of the things that I didn't know I wanted to do, but I just, <laughs> yeah. I, at that time I was like, I want to, you know, do just mental like, health things. Yeah. I was like thinking about starting like a men's group or something, or just like, like a, even just like talking to my friends, like we go out like once a week get coffee and just like sit and chat about like, you know, or like shit that's going on in our lives just within my friends group. But then I saw your post and I was like, okay, this is even better. Let's just do that. (laughs) Well, even when you kind of, when you replied through the sober challenge about like doing a Facebook group or something and like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's kind of the only shitty part about COVID. And that's something I've thought a lot more about too, is like having a more local like group of guys. Like, I mean, it's been awesome to get to know you and Mm -hmm. like, I've spent a lot of time, uh, with you and the other cam this mm-hmm. um you know prior months maybe not so much the last few months but throughout the summer throughout the like summer a lot, biking yeah. and running and and doing the half iron man and yeah. all sorts of shit and i would have never done those things like i don't have people who are willing to do that kind of stuff yeah. right like you know i i have good friends but like i don't it's hard to find friends who want to run 20k and bike 90k <laughs> and all sorts of crazy shit so that's been awesome but just on the adventure side of things, like all the time, I'm like, man, like I want more community around that. Like people mm-hmm. who are down to go do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, I don't know. It's hard to find. And it's just hard to create something around that right now, um, which kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you could do like a men's group thing online. Um, but I don't know. Like I think in person is just so much. I don't know. But it's something that I think about often too. I just wonder. Mm-hmm. Um but I also like what you're saying too about the local community that this is creating because even though we're not on the big platforms right now and we know that, um, mm-hmm. it is still creating a lot of shit. Like even that email or that message I got from Buddy about uh, his friend who shared it with uh, her brother who, oh, who yeah, was like yeah. in a who was just having a really tough time yeah. and basically said that it saved his life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just this. It's not. It seems simple, but. Again, for a lot of people, it's not like for us to be able to share this stuff and have people listen to it can be a huge impact. And it already is. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. It's like you, who who knew that someone's little brother would, you know, mm-hmm. react to it this way and it'd be that positive. And like, that's the change, hopefully, that we're yeah. looking to make in other people. And it's just the, the issue is just getting it to them mm-hmm. and getting it in front of them. Um, or just getting that person on too. Yeah. Like you've, had, we've had some pretty cool guests, I think like, yeah, lately it's been like, mm-hmm. I mean, well, every guest has been cool. Yeah. I don't want to say that any aren't, but, no. but it's just different now. It's becoming a lot easier. Yeah. And like people are just reaching out and they're more interested mm-hmm. to come on. Um, I don't feel like we're ever fighting to get guests on. It's like, and I kind of worried at the beginning for sure. Like, are people going to want to talk about this shit? Yeah. Uh, what's it going to be like? How, yeah. how do I reach out? And like, then, you know, if we ever, like, hey, we need a guest, like, man, when we reach out, usually, I don't know, 75% of the couple people, like, I'll just reach out to three people, and almost yeah. all of them will reply. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, it's been awesome getting a lot of cool, uh, local people and, mm-hmm. and even further away. So, yeah. And I think once, like, I don't know when COVID's going to end, like nobody does, but like, like you said, like, yeah, the in-person is so much better. Mm-hmm. Like taking this podcast to the people, like, and like, you know, someone random out there might, there's so many people willing to just like talk yeah. and like get on, you know, the mic and just share and stuff. And I think that's what this is kind of all about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's been awesome and I can't wait to see what happens with it come, mm-hmm. come the new year and putting more sort of strategy behind it. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I think I finally, for a long time, honestly, I, d- I just didn't know what I thought of this. I thought like, this is just something I'm doing on the side. I didn't think it was something that could be big. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I more thought of it as like, I need to do something else mm-hmm. to kind of like fund this and to make this um, work. Yeah, to make this work and have it as a thing. Whereas now, just been doing more research and been having a lot of people reach out, even close friends and people being like, man, like your podcasts are actually really good. Like mm-hmm. the guests are awesome. The conversation's awesome. Yeah. And I don't really know what I was judging it on. I just assumed it was like... This is your own thoughts. Is yeah, it was just kind of <laughs> like, man, no. like yeah. how do you know if a podcast is good, right? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, I don't know if it's good. It's just fucking talking. So yeah. how do I know that? Um, but then I started listening to a few like recently and I was like, okay. And I was like, man, like how the fuck am I not good? Yeah. And it's not like theirs were bad. I was mm-hmm. just like, it's a fucking podcast. You just talk like, yeah. Um, so I just have a lot more faith in it now, I think. And especially after we've like listened to a couple trainings lately mm-hmm. and things of other people who kind of like build podcasts and mm-hmm. grow them into how to grow them and stuff. And I think. I've got a lot. I don't know. I kind of was like, we're already doing a lot of this stuff and we've got a lot of episodes and, you know, heard of other people who had launched their mental health podcast to like top 50 and they only had six episodes. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, there's no reason this can't be one of the top 10, 25 yeah. mental health podcasts and hold that spot. So mm-hmm. um, I think I have a lot more faith and trust in, in what this will become now. So, yeah, we just need to get it out there. I know. <laughs> we're close. Yeah, yeah, I know. I feel like. Because that's our plan for January yeah. is to launch this onto all platforms. So it'll be yeah. on Apple, Spotify. Um, I don't know what else there really is. I think that's kind of it. I think just those two, yeah. So I think, or is there one more? No, I think mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. I don't know. There's like a Google podcast or something. Oh, right. But yeah, I don't think it's really that no, big. No, yeah. just those two. But like I was even looking, like I think we did five episodes this month. and That's the most we've ever done. Mm-hmm. I think. Well, in a month. In a yeah, month, yeah, yeah, in a month. yeah. Because I always look, and like for the most part, it's like three. Yeah, and I think that was back when we were struggling to find guests, but now it's like, y- yeah, we've got a lot. Because even today, I'll have six to give you. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> and I haven't done any more solo ones, which I plan to do today and tomorrow as well. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and then doing the, another bike one on Friday with Tyler. So, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of nice now. Like, and I, and at first too, like when I envisioned this podcast, I envisioned about talking a lot, like on my own just sharing like small things because mm-hmm. i like those but i think that's like the hardest thing to do i was so fucking scared man <laughs> it is hard where i'm like shit like i can see you like before like obviously i cut out the before parts but like you're just like sitting there like, okay yeah because <laughs> i never know how to start it man i'm like all right fuck like yeah you're and, looking at the camera and for, yeah, for that one you like have to oh yeah like, you're just like, looking well, forward like i had done a video 
Dude, I'll never forget that you have to look at the camera from this one incident where <laughs> my friend Connor, who owns, he owns 1P Creative, like a big video company, but this was back when he was like first getting into it. And mm-hmm. I was nervous as shit in front of the camera. It was with my automotive company and we wanted to oh, do YouTube videos explaining our each product and how to install them. Um, so he's like, yeah, okay, well, like I'll just film. And I'm like, I'm like, I got to look at the camera though, right? He's like, no, no, no. He's like, just look like past me. And I'm like, are you sure, man? And he's like, I'll send over here. You just talk to me. So it would be like I'm talking to you when you're not there. So, But the camera's, but the camera's there still. Yeah, so I'm yeah. like, okay. I'm like, well, he knows. He's a, he's a videographer or whatever. So he films me. I do it. Takes 100 takes because I'm fucking so fucking nervous to talk about this bent piece of metal. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So I do it. It's the only one we ever did. And we like put the video up on YouTube. It was about our coil bucket. So it like holds the coil spring for the conversion. And... Mm-hmm. All the we get like three comments, and all they are is like, "Look at the fucking camera next time" and shit. And they're just like, beaking me for not looking at the camera. And like, it does oh. look dumb. It looks like I'm just talking off into the distance. And is I was it like, "Still up there?" Yeah, I think it's actually. Fuck. I might have deleted it. I'll have to check. But um, oh god, I was just like, "Fuck!" So now, like every time, I'm like, "No, I literally have to look at the camera." Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's definitely different, but. I like it too because every time it teaches me, like I just get more comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's yeah, I think it's worst. a cool little way of. I don't know. It's just fast too. Like now, I'm kind of having issue where I'm more not like since I'm more comfortable talking to the camera, mm-hmm. writing the emails that that I've been doing. Yeah. It seems like a lot more work. I'm like, fuck. Now I got to like sit down and write this, or I could just go hit record, talk for five talk for five minutes, minutes and, and just it, fucking yeah. then it's done. Yeah. Um. So I'm having a tough time now where, like, I honestly just want to write an email and link it to a YouTube video or something. <laughs> where it's like, you hey, do that. talked about this today, boom. I'm yeah. just going to do video versions now. Yeah. I don't know. Might be something to test. It'd be cool. Like, I don't know. Like, I know for a lot of people, like, I don't... I read I read your emails, and obviously a lot of other people do, but, like, if I'm getting a random ass email from somebody, like, and it's all text, like, I'm, mm-hmm. I, unless it's for work, mm-hmm. I'm, like, pretty discouraged. But yeah. it's just, like checking in blah 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 like you know here's mm-hmm. a link it doesn't even have to be the video it could just be like the audio recording true yeah it could just be linked yeah i don't know i've been kind of struggling with the concept for the email stuff too because it's weird right now like people are opting in on the website for this mm-hmm. but then i'm kind of like talking about a lot of like personal stuff which is fine but mm-hmm. i also want to incorporate the episodes like let's talk more about the guests and sh- i should be sending an email every time a new episode comes out like why not talk about that person mm-hmm. um and send it so mm-hmm. i want to like i don't know kind of build like a strategy that i don't know got a lot to work on for the new year but i think yeah it'll be good no i think it'll be good too mm-hmm yeah, it's gonna be sweet. I'm excited to see how how what it's like on Apple because that's like our biggest complaint is people don't yeah want to uh, listen to especially that. especially just seeing random podcasts get like thousands and thousands of views mm-hmm. like immediately. I know. And yeah, and they crazy. just give up because people are really just sur- yeah, and that's the thing. Like you go in there and look, there's a lot of podcasts with like ten to twenty episodes. I mean, yeah. what that guy said in one of the trainings was most people don't make it past seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like. He's not wrong. And when I go on and look at a, a podcast, I'm like, fuck, they only have seven episodes. I don't really listen because I feel like mm-hmm. for some reason I just d- initially just give it no value. Especially um, if you see it, it's like seven and it was like the last one they made was like last year. year ago. Yeah, it's I'm like, like, okay. There's no point. Like, yeah, whereas I feel like, yeah, I, I don't, 
And because a lot of people just search podcasts through those platforms. Mm-hmm. Like people don't really go on Google to search for podcasts. No. I don't think you literally go on Apple and search for something. Uh, that's what I do. Yeah. yeah. You just, there's all the different topics on like Spotify and Apple and you just pick. Yeah. I think you're feeling that day. I think that's where people browse. So yeah. Getting into that, those playing fields is going to be pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. It's going to be good. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I don't know. Is there anything else that you want to touch on? I know we kind of um, morphed from your story to the podcast, but. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. I didn't really have any expectations for yeah. this. Um, nothing that I can think of. Like, okay. that's pretty much it. Like, that's the story. Like, if, unless you have any other questions about it or mm-hmm. anything. Um, that's the thing is, like, I tell people and they're always like, oh, do you do you have anything more? No, I was like, that's it. Like, that's the fucking story. Like, do you want to. Do you, like, what do you think and feel about it? Yeah. I, <laughs> That's because I used to be get really nervous to tell people. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, kind of like ashamed. I was like, oh, how are they going to, you know, react? And then after a while, I was like, well, fuck it. It's like, it's a great way to figure out if I'm going to like that person or not. I just tell them the story and then if they <laughs> yeah. reject them, like, hey, fuck you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for sure. But yeah, nothing else. Sweet. Yeah. We're ready to rock then. Well, yeah, man, that was awesome. It yeah. was cool for me to get to hear it all and for yeah. us to kind of like, connect about this stuff too and it's kind of funny even for us how long it's been um, like almost a year yeah before do doing this which yeah. is i know we, we'd even kind of talked about it for a couple months now it was like mm. kind of up in the air but yeah no it's awesome to to do it and get this out there and mm-hmm. yeah keep working together i'm excited for it yeah man me too sweet yeah well be in touch <laughs> <laughs> fuck i guess so <laughs> you have a choice yeah <laughs> <laughs>